Welcome to Kratom Sobriety. This is episode 23. My name is Charlie. This episode is dedicated to the topic of the feel-free Kratom Kava product. Jacob has an interview this week with John, who became addicted to those and was able to find a way to kick the free feel drinks. Just a quick note, we've had some audio issues both last week and this week. Please be patient with us. We're doing our best with our DYI production budget. So before we get talking, I have a voicemail from a listener. Hey, this is uh, Jordan. Uh, just been listening to your podcast. Just found out about it yesterday. But um, long story short, got kind of hooked on the feel free things and just made it my mind yesterday that I'm going to quit and hopefully go this last week with the stuff I have left and start cold turkey this weekend. But anyways, I got on your podcast from listening to the one you had with Savannah. I have an update too. Jordan was able to stay off the feel free. He's up to two and a half weeks now. So the feel free drinks, they come in little blue bottles. They were notoriously sold at 7-Elevens across America, but I'm told that they're mostly pulled off for those shelves now, depending on your geography. And they are also heavily promoted on the internet and social media and through social media influencers uh, via podcasts. They had like an ambassador program with a payout of a 40% commission, it looked like, from the earlier Wayback Machine promotions on their website. Feel Free product is a combination of kava extract and kratom. And the main issue with it was many customers bought the product and were not aware of the kratom contents and or the amount of kratom that was in the product as it was largely promoted as a kava drink with ancient plants. I was able to find on the internet evidence of four different labels over the years. So many people report that feel free is more addicting to them compared to taking similar amounts of kratom or kava either alone or together. There's been a lot of internet conjecturing of why this is the case. The main speculation is one that there's a hidden ingredient in these products, which there's no proof to this. And this totally alleged uh, suggested either canna or fetabut or betel nut have all been suggested. Again, there's no been testing of this provided proof of this allegation. Part of the speculation comes from people report taking a drug test and getting various positive indicators on these tests for all sorts of drugs. Theory number two of why this may be more addicting is uh, the use of potentiators, different juices, citric acid, etc. From how the formula makes the individual psychoactive ingredients more potent. Number three is an excipient, which is another type of ingredient that increases the bioavailability of these substances. For extracting, the labels say that there is plain leaf. Many wonder if the kava extract, what's uh, making it 
had that much more of a bite. The last theory was mixing, that just somehow the the combination of cob and kratom, which is not traditionally put together like that, uh, makes it somehow more powerful. But in recent weeks, there was an emerging theory that perhaps the kratom is going through a process that's similar to fermentation. Many vendors call this chocolate kratom. At one time, I made a joke about it being kratom booze, but it's more fermenting of like a, a, a sauerkraut. Just this week, in episode 22, we had a special analysis from a guest talking about this compound, and I'm going to do a little clip from that episode right here. Metragenine pseudoindoxyl is an extremely potent metabolite and that it originates from 7-hydroxymetragenine. Studies in mice have shown that metragenine pseudoindoxyl is somewhere between 20 and 35 times the potency of morphine. And given these findings... I think it's clear that this compound has significantly greater ability to activate these specific receptors involved in opioid consumption. While this compound is naturally produced during the metabolism of metragenine in human plasma, its levels can actually be artificially elevated under certain conditions. One way of artificially causing this is by increasing the levels of metragenine pseudoendoxyl simply by way of fermentation. It's known that fermentation of kratom increases the levels of this chemical, and believe it or not, this has been known since the 1970s. And users report more of a painkiller-like effect, likely indicating more activation of those opioid receptors in these users. It's worrying that manufacturers may capitalize on this, either knowingly or unknowingly. They're essentially creating a far more addictive product when they look to increase these levels of this chemical. So if you found yourself particularly hooked to the free fill products, the tonics. These would be both the original ones with the solar caps and maybe to a lesser extent, the newer ones with the black cap. It might be this process fermenting the the kratom to make it more potent. So now for the interview. Thank you. Everybody, this is Jacob from Maine, and this week on the podcast we've got John. John had found himself taking the Feel Free Kratom product, and he felt a little bit deceived. Well, not a little bit. He felt a lot deceived by the product. Well, I'll let him talk a lot about that. So this week's discussion is mostly going to focus on Feel Free products, but I'm sure no matter what you were taking, if you were like me, maybe it was OPMS, or maybe if it was just regular powder. I'm sure you'll, you'll relate to um, the, the discussion and we're going to get all into that. John, welcome to the podcast. How's it going today, Jacob? I would say I'm an average guy. I'm, I'm in sales. I've got a nine to five job, a girlfriend, a house in the suburbs, a minivan. I'm into music and Legos. I value humor and I use it to get through difficult times and I value my relationship. So pretty, pretty run of the mill, boring stuff there. Um, so what is your Kratom abstinence date? So my Kratom abstinence date, uh, it was last last month on on the 13th. So and and just as we discussed a little while ago, I I had never done Kratom until I did feel free. And I started it when, you know, I didn't know Kratom was in it. So that's really the only Kratom I've done up until I tried to stop the first time. And then I was like, well, 
I wonder if the regular stuff is any better than this, or at least it's easier to come off of. So you, so you did have a little experience with just regular Kratom, but it wasn't until you got into that. And um, yeah. so congratulations on over a, a month and change off of the Feel Free products. That has to feel pretty amazing. Appreciate it. It is, it is good. It's just, you know, one day at a time trying to readapt my brain to the, the new normal. Yeah, we've, we've all been there on this podcast, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so let's get into it then. So how did you first come to, you know, know about the feel-free product and ultimately consume the feel-free product? So, yeah, so I, as I said, I'm in sales, so I, I call on, you know, retail accounts. Uh, one of my, one of my accounts started selling it and someone who worked there told me about it and was like, the way it was, the way it was introduced to me was, Hey, this stuff is great. It tastes like shit, but it makes you feel like you've taken a pretty mild ADHD medication. And I was like, that's good. You know, I've been diagnosed with ADHD, but not medicated for, for several years because I, the older I got, the more I felt like it was like a bad idea to, you know start mm -hmm. going going down that road with stimulants um especially since i have blood pressure issues i'm trying to stay away from that sort of thing so i was like well great that sounds good so the first time i ever had it i had a half of a vial you know and i'm not really sure how much i got out of it because anyone who's taken it knows that that stuff has sediment in it and if you don't shake it really well you might just end up getting a bunch of disgusting pineapple juice off the top so that was the first time i had it it was uh Oh, that and and that's how it was presented to me the first time. Oh wow! So just here's this innocuous substance. Tell me about your your history. Do you have any history of other substances, or um, was this kind of your first experience with an addictive product substance? I've you know my whole life I've struggled with that. You know, thankfully, like, again, like we spoke about before we started here, mm -hmm. I've never really had any issues with hard drugs. Alcohol has been a, a kind of an up and down. It's been it's been a constant struggle my whole life it's never been so bad where it really you know screwed anything up too badly but i've i've had months of you know three month periods of sobriety starting again not doing too much it gets to a peak i stop you know i go back the first time i actually had had feel free i had actually been sober for the longest time in my life since i started drinking which is about three months so i was like i was free and clear the first time i had feel free so i didn't have nothing interfering with it i knew exactly what i was feeling from just that product so thankfully like just as far as an informative standpoint i i was able to get like a full picture because that was the only thing i had in me at the time just like we're always in that searching mode what's what's a fast way to feel something good and when something gets marketed to you that's supposedly healthy you jump at it feeling like you did a good thing and it turns out that it that it wasn't you feel like you've been afraid yeah definitely when and how did the feel free um products start to become a problem for you and how did your kind of usage progress i guess like i said before the first time i had it I had a half a shot and i i it, from what i've read on reddit it seems like a lot of people have the same experience as they grow to abuse it it seems like it starts as like kind of a snowball effect everybody starts having one or two a day and then about two months in, people are at like eight or 10. And I had a very, very similar experience. I would have one maybe every two or three days. And then, and I was only having them in the morning. And then a couple weeks in, I would get one in the morning and on the way home from work. A couple weeks more, I was getting one in the morning on the way home from work and then going back out to get another one. And then by the time I was two weeks in, I was having one in the morning, trying to find places near where I was operating during the day that sold it to get some more and then by three month point by the three month point i was 
having two or three at a time and each time I had it, and that would be anywhere from four to four to five times a day. And and I didn't realize that this was an issue really until uh, you know my girlfriend came into my life. You know, when you're living by yourself, it's really easy to get into those places where you can kind of justify and normalize what you're abusing because since nobody sees it, nobody reacts to that, and you're just like, this isn't an issue because when I walk out the door in the morning, no one knows this is going on. But when my girlfriend came into my life, I realized that I would just do absolutely anything to keep taking these things, including, you know, making excuses where I was going, why I was talking so fast all the time, you know, my why my skin was dry and like flaking off. And, and it and it really I was really blessed to have that outside perspective because that's really what it took to make me realize that I was this was becoming a serious problem for me and my wallet. The progression that you described was very similar to um, to what I had. I was married the whole time, but um, you know, I would make up excuses to tell my wife why I had to run out at six p.m. because I forgot to buy and shot earlier, or that day I decided I was gonna, you know, be able to make it through the rest of the day without one. And then, right. you know, I started feeling like crap by the time dinner time rolled around. Yeah, it starts to feel like you're 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 like. You stepped off a ledge onto a tightrope and you just need that solid ground again. It gets scary once you start getting away from it. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, you said a strain on your wallet. If you don't mind me asking, how much do you think you were kind of spending at your peak on it a day? Uh, probably about $100. You know, doing the math is yeah. the other things and that really helped me to put it all in perspective. I mean, a year and a half of use, progressively getting worse, peaking at probably a hundred dollars a day, definitely was 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 eye opening when I sat down and opened up Control Tower on my banking website and saw like, because you know, primary yeah, I got him was gas stations, right? And I know, and I know how much I'm spending on gas. So if I subtract that, everything left over was pretty much that stuff. Looking at that, I was like, whoa. Yeah, same. I, I had a similar experience. I was like, I could have, I, I I don't even want to talk about the amount of money I spent on those those damn little shots and how much I could have uh, probably put in the bank or, or spent on something worthwhile. And so what happened to make you decide that, you know, you had to quit? Well, first and foremost, I know that I was putting my girlfriend through hell. And it wasn't like I was being an asshole. I wasn't mm-hmm. being mean to her, physical, nothing like that. It was just that you know, when someone really cares about you and they see you're struggling with someone, it's just as bad um, continuing to put them through that every single day. And the stuff just, it, it just, feel free just made me very, very empathetic. I would always feel like, you know, a general sense of well-being that made me ignore a lot of things in life. And I, I would I would get to these, every weekend was basically a two-day withdrawal because I would get to the weekend and and for a while, and, and before that actually happened, for a while, I would be taking them on the weekend and she knew we'd go back and forth to like, I'm not taking them right now and hiding it to, well, if you're going to do it, just tell me you're doing it. And we would yeah. do that for a while, you know, and go back and forth. And then uh, one of the times where it was in the, the negative zone, you know, where she didn't know I was doing it, I was trying to hide it. It would be like every weekend was like a two day with her. And that's when I started to get like, oh my, okay, I'm, I'm lying to my girlfriend lying to myself i'm withdrawing every single weekend i know i don't like that and i continue going down that road you know and i i i tried to stop actively not just like because oh it's the weekend my girlfriend's here i need to not look like i'm doing this i tried to actively stop where i was like 
I'm going to do this like seven or eight times. And every single time there would just be, you know, I'd get away from the withdrawal symptoms stop. And it would be, it's so crazy the way you rationalize it. It's like, I was like, wow, I went so long without it. You know what I deserve right now is a feel free. Yeah. I did the same exact thing over a two year period. I probably would get, you know, a week, two weeks. I think the most I went was like 22 days once. And I basically would do the same thing. I'd be like, well, this time, you know, I'm sick of feeling like crap. I'm sick of feeling all these emotions. And, you know, it wasn't that bad. I was able to get through all those terrible, horrible withdrawals that were for me worse than, you know, opiates when I did those. Um, but somehow I could talk myself into, into just doing it one more time. And I think you know where that ends. Yeah, the, the addictive mind is an incredibly creative one. Yeah. When it, it, when it comes to justifying and rationalizing the reason to continue to use something that is fundamentally doing nothing but ruining your life. Yeah. I think the hard part with a substance like like Kratom and um, in particularly with the feel free product, it's marketed to us as this substance that, you know, not gonna cause addiction and it's it's like it's a moral failing of you. I think there's a subconscious element to that where you're like, well, you know, it's legal, it's it's probably not as bad as alcohol or hard drugs. So is it really that bad? I can I can justify myself into taking it again. Well, yeah, yeah. They, it's, they sell it at a gas station. What's the you know? I mean, they sell Coca Cola at the gas station. What you can you, you can you know? It's right there. It's available. You don't have to go to a head shop to buy it. A lot of places in, in you know in the state that I live in anyway. It's in a, any convenience store to sell it. Yeah, I'm lucky in the fact that where I live in in Maine, it's not like that you have to kind of go to a, a head shop i don't know if it's i think i've seen it in a gas station or two but i don't think there's a law or anything it just seems like it's not it hasn't gotten that way here yet but and that's neither here nor there well i know you said you'd never had it before i just and i don't you probably you probably heard this from from a couple people the, the general consensus is and i i definitely count myself among the people that have this opinion they they're they're doing something in in that formula that makes it hit harder and faster and it just blows out your receptors it's on in 30 minutes and it leaves you wanting another one really really bad i have i i was actually before this conversation i was trying to get a little bit educated over the past couple days and i was reading through some of the the reddit subreddit and i did i did see see that and various opinions i've seen um similar things said about uh, some of the OPMS products, but that seemed to be a while ago. And my experience was after a couple of, like after the first year or two, it was, it, the duration went, it started, it would be like an hour to like three hours. And then it slowly got slower and slower to the point where it's like, like you said, like 30 minutes and that was it. It's just, it's gone so fast. And I've read on red, you know, I'm not a scientist or a doctor, mm -hmm. but I've heard people say that like, they think they ferment the kratom, which makes the method of action like interesting, faster and more intense. I mean, it definitely gives you like a, a burst, almost like a uh, stimulant of some kind. What was the first month of your quit like? How did that go? Well, the first month of my quit, you know, my my eighth quit was, and and, and God willing, my final one. Uh, you know, the first four days just just like everybody has experienced with it's 
the second day is the worst. You know, I, I stopped this time because I, I had to throw myself in front of the bus because I was like, I can't keep doing this. So I got my family involved. It took my girlfriend to my, my parents' house and I sat them down. And I was like, I've got an issue with this stuff. It is bleeding me dry financially, emotionally, and spiritually. And I, I need some help here. I just, I, cause I knew there was no other way. And unless I injected that accountability into my life, I know myself and I would just figure out new ways to justify it every day. And I had to get that back door closed. It was one of the hardest days of my life is it was embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, stigmatizing and, you know, uh, but it ended up being the best decision that I've ever made because Having that support system get me through is that's the only thing that works. I, I could have tried it a million times, not been able to without bringing other people into the equation. I went home that weekend knowing I was never going to touch that stuff. You know, there were days where I was like, well, fuck it, I'll just have one and lie about it. But I never, I never went back there. You know, that first weekend was, and I've had that, I've had that first weekend dozens of times, you know. Uh, the cold sweats, just a general feeling of something horrible about to happen, you know, something dreadful is like about to happen around every corner, shaking, feeling cold and hot at the same time, not being able to regulate my body temperature, feeling like if I got out of bed, I would just die. But after four days, that's the thing. It's like, that's what's so frustrating that it took me so long to do it. Because at any given time, I was only four days away from feeling normal again. And that's that's the part that really is frustrating so once i got past that first week physical symptoms gone second week that's when the really really bad emotional stuff started setting in because you know my my brain had been used to feeling like nothing was ever wrong and everything i was doing was perfect and i was talkative and energetic all the time to going back to the net neutral which of course you shoot past that when you stop doing anything that makes you feel that way to a net negative for a while. And you're just like, my God, not doing something sucks. Normal is just awful. What the hell is this? I was stressed, anxiety all the time, paranoia about like, if you were to ask my girlfriend, what if I had any irrational fears, she would probably be able to list like a hundred of them for that second week. Like I was worried about everything. The worst part about coming out of it though is the constant feeling that it's like I stepped out of a fog and I, and I was seeing all these things that I missed. I was yeah. about my job, about stuff that I'd missed, just feeling like I had been so lucky that I hadn't screwed anything up so bad that it really screwed me over and I lost my job or something. Just that feeling that I had just let my life go to hell while I was, while I was on vacation from it. You know, I was there physically, yeah. but mentally I was just so distant from it. Kind of just like on autopilot, a very, very euphoric autopilot the whole time. And, and mind you, like it wasn't all rainbows and sunshine. Like I'm t like in order to get that good feeling, I was taking so many of them sometimes where I literally would just throw up. Like that's how yeah. my day would be. Like I would just I've, throw up. I've been there before. <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy that you put yourself through that. There's so many things that you said there that I think are some gold nuggets that I want to point out for our listeners. So the first one was telling someone and coming clean to your family in recovery. That's often called burning the ships. Uh, the metaphor comes from when um, one of, I think it was Cortez, who was a terrible um, Spanish conquistador. So don't dwell on that. Dwell on the analogy, which is basically when he got to Mexico for the first time, he burnt the ships. So there was no going back to Spain and they had to kind of like conquer 
Um, so the analogy for recovery is if you tell someone or come clean to your family, you've burnt the ships, there's no going back, right? right? And it creates this kind of accountability mechanism that you cannot undo. The genie's out of the bottle and like now you've got people that are invested in your recovery and it helps with you. You know, I don't, I'm doing this for myself, number one, but number two, I've, I've, I've let people know that this is a goal and something that I, I want to make commitment to, uh, which can be super powerful. So, you know, if, if you're struggling with, with any substance and Kratom is just like any other addictive drug, yeah. make sure that, you know, when you're comfortable, it, it really helps to tell someone. So I wanted to highlight that for the listeners. The second piece is I, I kind of felt the same way as you did for, for me, um, the physical part it usually lasted a little longer. Maybe that speaks to the the specific feel free. The second week was always worse for me because I just the mental anguish, like it, it literally gave me suicidal thoughts the last couple of times. And I definitely can resonate with the taking so much, like like it can never get enough to like get that feeling back at the end. And I would try so hard that I would take so much that I would make myself physically ill. I, I didn't really, I've always known, I've always been like tangentially aware of opioid problem in, in the country, but never have I done so much research on it until I started taking this stuff and I started to get myself away from it because a lot of people maintain that it's like an extremely innocuous version of an opioid in a lot of ways. It, yeah. And withdrawal, withdrawal symptoms have learned so much about opioids in my, in my journey just to get away from this stuff. And, uh, that sort of awareness helps you know regardless of what it doesn't really matter what drug you're you could be addicted to jelly donuts it's it's all the same cons obviously there's no you know physical withdrawal from jelly donuts but the concept is pretty much the same everywhere you you don't like the way your mind is the way it is you want to change it and you want to change it quickly i mean i definitely have learned a lot since i tried to stop this stuff for for you, did you um, have anything that you took to help with the withdrawals or, or anything that you would recommend that seemed to help most with the withdrawals when we went through that? It, I would say it's about 10% that sort of stuff and 90% gritting your teeth and holding on to sucks ass, you know? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, the thing that helped the most was just drinking a ton of water. Diuretics really help mm-hmm. love it because they bind to the, to the kratom and help flush it out of your body. Magnesium is good. Uh, and vitamin B, vitamin C, and D, all that stuff is great, and it and it helps you get to a better place. At the end of the day, you know, you're fighting you're fighting a feeling that you want to have more so than anything else. Like I said, magnesium was really helpful for me, and and just tons and tons of water. Just basically, I I was basically treating myself like I was just sick, like I had the flu or something like that, and. And I really don't know if it did anything because, like I said, I was through it in fun days, but those days fucking suck. I don't know how I got through it without just being like, all right, well, you know what? I know a really quick way to make this all go away and yeah. have a feel free. That's that's the thing. You know, it's those things do help the physical symptoms, but when the physical symptoms are gone, you're you're left in that desolate field of a feel-free bottle-shaped hole in your life. And trying to figure out where you are and what you're going to do with that is the hardest part. And that takes time. It takes it takes time. And in my case, it, it, took, it took therapy. I, I started seeing a therapist because I just really didn't think I could get through that by myself. You're absolutely right. The, uh, the kind of embracing the suck and just being able to 
say, you know, like this is this is temporary. It's going to suck, and it and it really does suck, and you can, you're not going to sleep, and it's it's going to be it's going to be terrible. But you just have to, like you said, grin and bear it and, and get through it. Reddit group is probably the best supplement that's out there. That is the support from other people experiencing the things is is more beneficial than anything you could put in your body to get you through that tumultuous time in your life. Like I really found a lot. I know, and I actually didn't find that group until after I was past the worst part of it. But I mm-hmm. was like reading and I was like, I, I got a lot of gratification from posting in there trying to help people. And I really found it to be super enriching in the grand scheme of my life. That's that's great. Yeah. So any any sort of sense of community, Reddit groups. Um, there's a lot of I'm in a couple of Facebook Facebook groups that are about Kratom. I don't particularly like Facebook all that much, and that's the really the only reason why I'm on there at this point. And yeah, there's a several subreddits out there. There's a feel free one, there's a quitting Kratom one, uh, OP based abstinence programs if you've got crossover addictions like some of us do. Um, but they're all really good. Besides the therapy and the, the Reddit group, anything else you're you're doing for support, any type of specific recovery groups or anything like that on any groups my my family and my girlfriend are checking in constantly and and you know the double-edged sword of, of, of uh, like you said burning the shit you have that support but it's also like a constant reminder to problem yeah. you have some days i'm like okay yeah i'm doing fine today all right i get it but then you know you realize it's all coming from a place of love and yeah i wouldn't be where i was without it that the support of my friends and family uh all of my loved ones is just it's so important and i and i realize that some people out there don't have the same support system that's why like you said the community aspect of it is so important not everyone has a strong uh support system but you can always build one with people online it's always available and that's the thing that helps the most other people struggling with the same thing you know because everyone has if you lock yourself into a an echo chamber you're you're never going to get out of it you're going to be there forever you're going to fall back into the same and I think that's the most important thing. Can't do this alone. There are so many different ways that you can go about recovery now, which is kind of a great thing. You know, there's not just like a 12, 12 step might not be for you. Maybe Reddit isn't for you. Maybe therapy isn't for you, but there's probably something out there that is for you. And it's just a matter of finding what it is. Let's talk a little bit about the the feel free product, because I know you got a lot to say about that. And I want to make sure I get, create enough space for that. Was there something especially hard about Feel Free in particular that was a barrier to quitting it or anything like that? Oh, the hardest thing is the availability. I mean, just like with Kratom, it's available in the state that I live in. It's available at gas stations, pretty much at head shops, liquor stores. You can find it pretty much everywhere. It's it's pretty aggressively uh, marketed as well. So that's the hardest thing, just how easy it is to get. If someone knows, if someone doesn't want you to be taking it and they know you're going to one place for it, you can go to another place to be like, I didn't go over there to get it. Like I was saying earlier, you get creative when you're, when you have that sensation seeking tendency. That's hard. I know the way, so you've never had it before, but I'll, I'll just, I'll describe what it feels like. So okay, it is like somebody set your brain on fire, but it feels good. Low dose, you get mild photosensitivity and extreme euphoria. You get really talkative, just like on something like Adderall or Vyvanse or something like that. Mm-hmm. You add another one on top of that, it kind of gives you this sort of nausea, nausea, but that it sticks in the back of your throat. Like it's not in your stomach, it's just like in your neck. And it feels like you could throw up if you tried to, but you're not going to. 
the the euphoria intensifies and then but it doesn't really matter how much you put in there it all goes away at pretty much the same rate and that's why this stuff is so volatile because people get that feeling trying to chase it is extremely expensive and it's really bad for you i went to so i was i was already going to a medication management um psychologist right and, and while mm-hmm. taking them and this was at First time I went to see a psycho- uh, psychologist, psychiatrist, whichever one can actually do medication management. I always forget. Psychiatrist. Okay. Yeah. So the the one that can give you chemicals. <laughs> that, um, and I remember this was at a point where I was taking probably about eight to 10 a day. I went there and got my blood pressure taken and they were like, have you, are, do you take any stimulants or have you had like 20 drinks today? Because my blood pressure was like, through the roof that was one of the first indicators where i was like all right this isn't just a problem for me financially and mentally this is this is affecting my actual physical health now yeah um my blood pressure was like 156 over 101 and oh wow they were like all right well this is like urgent care levels and i and i just was like no 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 it's it's fine i just had like i just had like five banks while i was at realized until then that it was really doing that to me and after i noticed that i was like I'm starting to feel like my skin is full all the time. Like you can feel your blood going through there. And I mean, it is, it's just so weird that something that was so bad that made you feel so good for such a short amount of time. It take that big of a hold on you. Right. Well, I went to the dentist and uh, this is actually just triggering this uh, memory of this conversation, but my, the hygienist was like, is your mouth always this dry? And I'm like, I don't, think it is but i was like oh yeah yeah it's fine but i knew what it was from right it was because i took a bunch of freedom shots before yeah. i went in yeah. because i knew i was going to be sitting in a chair for you know how long getting dental work and i was like i gotta be high to do it you know crazy shit i didn't try kratom until after i tr- until i started to try to actively stop taking feel free to try to taper and it, I, I, mm. I remember one of the questions you had mentioned tapering or, or maybe you hadn't mentioned that one yet but i will say that yeah with people for people that are really having a problem with this as as shitty as this may sound tapering is not the way to go because it's always going to leave that back door open and you're just going to give yourself that excuse i know with some things that have a more intense physical withdrawal sensation that might be useful um certainly for your physical health but i just i found that it was impossible for me to do that you did try to taper at first by switching over, but um, that obviously didn't work, it sounds like. Tried to taper by switching over to things that said they have just Kratom in them. Now, I don't know, you probably read this about Feel Free, but its whole thing is that it's Kaba and Kratom, right? Now, I, yes, I knew that. And I, I've heard, and I think you, you mentioned this before we were talking, that it was originally marketed that it was just Kava and the Kratom was in there and did, no one was told about it. It was their exact literature on their package was with Kava and other ancient plants doesn't that sound ancient plants song no- yeah it sounds great nothing wrong with that just ancient plants here nothing nothing to see if you've had it all yeah so ancient plants they yeah so so the and i and i know that kava is pretty innocuous i mean people take that mm-hmm. stress taking too excess it emulates the feeling of being kind of drunk but other than that it's not that big of a deal it's an herbal supplement you can buy it in castles at walgreens and stuff i think probably don't quote me on that, but I know that you can get it, and it's not that big of a detriment. Um, but some, but one of the something they're doing in there is is just a whole different emergent factor. But I so I switched over to trying to take just uh, kratom shots. You know, there's 
other brands out there and stuff. And mm-hmm. I found it to not be as euphoric. And that is when I initially started to suspect like, okay, what what's the difference here? Because they're saying the only difference is that Feel Free has Kaba in it. So this is, are you, are they saying that when you mix Kaba and Kratom together, it creates an emergent factor that like blows out your receptors or something? That didn't seem like the case. So that's when I first, that was the first aha moment there. Mm-hmm. Then I, you know, I tried that. I tried capsules. I tried other shots. I never, I never did try powder. So I've never actually tried Kratom powder, but I always kept going back. And, yeah. and because it had a more intense euphoria, even though it was gone faster than some of the actual Kratom shots that I took, that's how intense it was. Like, I just wanted it all the time because of how it made me feel for such a short period of time. It made me feel focused, alert, energized. I mean, what's not to like about that? Other than the fact it only lasts 30 minutes and they cost $10 a pop and you got to keep buying them to feel that way. So yeah. that's why that's why I say the thing about tapering because I tried all those other Kratom products and they didn't do anything for me. And, and and I don't know if that's because I started with that stuff and or if it was just the quality of the Kratom I was getting. I know it didn't vary in quality, but it's yeah, really weird. Yeah. I didn't have much success with tapering either. The, when I first got onto Kratom and, and got dependent on it, I I was early in my usage and I switched over to um to capsules and I was able to taper off, but I relapsed pretty quickly after that. And then from there I would um I would sometimes buy powder when I was kind of low on money and I would use it, but it never really did anything other than kept me out of withdrawals. That was about all it did and, and didn't do anything else. It was just like the insanity of just buying that to to not get with, go through withdrawal until I got more money. It was uh, yeah, I mean, so crazy the I, things you do. I was in that cycle too, and that and I so I, I, it, towards the end now. Now another thing I hadn't really mentioned is that I do know that somewhere along the line they were forced to sell two separate packages with different colored lids. Gradually, stores started to just not sell the ones with like all of the kratom in it, and. That's when, and, and the reason I think about this, because you mentioned the thing about taking it just to not get the withdrawal symptoms. By, by the point where it had gotten as worse, it was, as bad as it was going to get for me, I was taking those, the ones that didn't have as much freedom in it, and just to avoid the symptoms because, mm-hmm. and then all I was left with was this shit sucks. It tastes awful. And I'm literally yeah. just using it to not feel like absolute shit. It didn't have the euphoria anymore. And that's when I was like, wow, okay, I'm taking a drug to not be sick. That's, I'm literally addicted to this now. That was kind of like the come to Jesus moment for me. Yeah, I I had a similar experience when I was like shoveling teaspoons and tablespoons of powder in, in, into my mouth and like washing it down. It was just gross and it, it didn't not do anything. But it's just... Like oh, and, and this Blood, yeah. this is just kind of anecdotal, but like I I remember you know sometimes I'd be trying to drink them so fast just to get it in me that I'd like spill it. The shit would stain the fuck out of my clothes. Like it, yeah, it's just like <laughs> I just like, remember all the like little drops I had everywhere that you know when I had stopped I'd see them and be like oh god damn it. Yeah, I, I threw out a pair of pants because I spilled some on there and I couldn't get it out. And yeah, it's just like think yeah, back look. to that. Yeah. yeah, it's gross. All right, well, what is your life like today, you know, now that you're free of the feel-free shot? It's good. Like I said, it's 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 a struggle every day just to feel, you know, because I think I read someone that said this on Reddit the other day. I wish I could remember the name so I could give them credit. At the feeling of 
being sober sucks. Fighting mm-hmm. every day, you know, filling that hole with good things and good people, as my therapist said, has really been super rewarding. In the morning, feeling good. In the afternoon, I feel like shit, kind of depressed. And that's when I, you know, like, man, there, there is something out there in the world that makes me feel perfect really fast. And then I get over that hump and I'm back, back to myself towards the late afternoon. But working towards the day where I can just get through an entire day being fine with just being fine. And that's the hardest thing. Identifying normal has been the biggest uphill battle of my entire life. And it always has been. I've always tried to fill that hole. But, I, you know, I still, and I still yeah. a little bit, you know, uh, like me and my girlfriend went to speakeasy in town the other day. So I still drink a little bit, but it's not, it doesn't have the insane hold over my life that it used to. And nothing really does. Maybe except for energy drinks. That's good. Yeah, I um, I I know that for for me, I could never touch a drink again, and it'll be problematic. But I will I will tell you this: as you um, as you progress, you have to be super vigilant forever. I haven't drank in almost five years now. Uh, I've got a little bit more sobriety on kratom than you do, but um, that's neither here nor there. But it does get easier. That doesn't mean you can't be and must not be super vigilant. But you know, when you get those feelings, as as you kind of explain, you got to sit with them. And then it'll, they'll, they'll get less and less as time goes on, but you still, you know, you can never not be, be super vigilant. The, the One of the other things that really keeps me from going back there is like, I tell myself, dude, if you go down this road again, you are going to lose everything. And it's not worth it. These little yeah. things that come from the gas station. Yeah. An addiction is a, a progressive disease. It doesn't get better every time you go back out. It just gets worse. So you never know what the next one's going to be. Yeah, and like I said, you know, I've, I've had ADHD my whole life, and I've, you know, read in a couple of places that it often, it manifests itself in children as, like, bouncing off the walls and being insane in school and not paying attention. But as an adult, it can manifest itself in some pretty significant sensation-seeking behaviors because your, your mm. dopamine levels are just always off, and you just never feel like you're happy enough, and you sit around wondering, like, well, is this just what being happy is, or is something wrong with me? So that's that's also part of it too. But I know that if I try long enough and hard enough, I'm honest, forthcoming with people in my life, and I, like I said, fill that little blue bottle shape hole with good things and good people. I'm gonna come out of this thing a better person because that's the one good thing about overcoming an addiction. It makes you stronger in all your all the aspects of your life. Because if you can do that, you can do anything. Yeah, that's that's 100 true. Um, addicts have to go through. Uh hell and if you can get through that you can you can literally get through anything i believe that as well what's your uh go-to music when you're having a bad day uh so well my go-to music comes with my my main go-to which is exercising which i never you know i've always been kind of in and out of phases of exercising but that's been that's something i forgot to mention earlier is that exercise really really helps with withdrawal Everything in your body is telling you to stay in bed until you feel uh-huh. but you have to force yourself to get out and do something because you can sweat it out. But as far as like my state of mind and mental well-being, uh, getting up every, every day and exercising is just as good as taking an antidepressant. Uh, let me see. I was listening to, I got a playlist that I listen to like every, every time I go running. It's just called Sad Alternative. <laughs> <It's> the, <laughs> Sad Alternative. Good. Yeah, so I've got World Party on there. The English Beat, Marshall Crenshaw. They might be giants. Yeah. Uh, Phoenix, Good Old War, The Shins. Uh, yeah, you got to mix it up. 
not all sad. There's some there's some happy there. Shiny toy guns. Have you heard that since I haven't heard that since middle school until I started listening to them again last year. But no, I have not heard that in a long time, actually. Yeah, so there's some stuff on there. I, basically, anything that will make me feel like I'm the main character in a movie gets me gets me motivated. Nice. You know, yeah, that's that's good workout music. I second your um, your uh, advice to exercise. Um, I've I've always been uh, big into exercise myself, and it's really hard when, like you said, you don't. The last thing you want to do is get out there. But even if you if you can't hit the gym and withdrawals or, or run, I, I totally get that. But even if you can get out for a walk or something, you'll you'll definitely feel better. Exercise is the only thing short of putting a chemical in your body that is scientifically proven to ease anxiety, depression. I find it to be a cure-all. Whenever, like, like the other day I got home, I, I, I bought a 24-ounce Truly on the way home from work, and I was like, I'm going to pound this. It'll make me feel good. It opened. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I, so I poured it out, and I just went for a run. And it is the first time in my life where I've gotten that far to drinking where I just didn't. Normally, that's awesome. It's like a 20, well, I appreciate it, man. There's like a, you know, there's like a 20, 20 minute buildup where you've already like bargained with yourself. You're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Uh, there's no going back at this point. I've already decided to. That is the closest I've ever come where I was like, nah, not right now. Yeah, that's that's a great feeling when you're able to get there. What is your best advice for someone that's getting ready to quit feel free or kratom? I would say if you if you do have a job with some flexibility, plan to stop on a Friday afternoon. If you have a job where you do have some freedom to take some time off, I would say take take Monday, possibly Tuesday off. Friday afternoon, go out to the drugstore, get yourself a get yourself a bottle of magnesium supplements. Get yourself a diuretic, like a beet powder or something like that, cranberry juice, ta- black coffee, tea, stock up on all that. Make sure you're drinking tons of water. They say you're supposed to drink 64 ounces of water a day. And drink like twice that because you're going to need it to get all that stuff out of your body. All the supplements are going to make you urinate a lot more. And you want to do that because you're, you're getting it out. The physical symptoms, I, I never had aches and pains, but I read that a lot of people do have some, some of that and flu-like symptoms. I didn't really have that. For me, it was the temperature regulation where if that is a problem, that's where the exercise really, really fixes you up because that's your hypothalamus um, trying to uh, regain homeostasis. That's why you get the cold sweats and you don't feel like, like when you're, when you're uh, cold, when, when, when you're, you get hot really easily, you start to sweat. Then when you get back into a normal temperature, you feel like you're freezing to death. That's your hypothalamus. So if you get out and exercise, when you start to feel like that, that'll kind of ease some of that lack temperature regulation and supplements like i said magnesium vitamin d vitamin c um if for the for the depression and the anxiety if you're not looking to get a prescription medication gaba is really good l-theanine and uh, fish oil so you know and all those things are fine to take with each other obviously they're not nothing's going to happen if you take those things together uh like i said tons and tons of water and when you wake up in the morning feeling like absolute crap and you're like oh my god i can't do this i don't want to move that is when it is the most important to get up and move and if and if you have those feelings of depression where you feel like the only cure for this is to go back to taking feel free or kratom or whatever your particular poison is reach out to somebody because there's there's somebody in your life who cares about you and there's probably more than you realize and all of them want you to be happy and healthy 
tell them, be open about your experiences with this stuff. It's, it don't feel, don't be afraid that they're going to think it's a joke just because it's not an illegal drug. This, this shit is serious. And I have a feeling in the next couple of years, it's going to be, uh, it's, it's going to be taken a little bit more seriously. I don't know if it'll be to the point of it, you know, being regulated. I hope not. Cause I'm not, I'm not really like we were talking about earlier. I'm not really for that, but some people have issues with substances and they have to, they have to coexist in a world where they exist without, you know, taking it to the extreme. So, but people will take you seriously if you tell them, look, this is a thing that you may or may not know about. I have had a long-term struggle with it and putting yourself on the line like that, they will help you. The shit only, the bad part lasts four days to a week. You're going to get through it and you're going to be a stronger person for it. When you get out, attack the reason why you wanted to feel better in the first place because there's something there that made you want to alter your state of mind. And I think that's where I would, I would recommend, I know therapy isn't everyone's bag, but it really, really helped me because I started doing therapy when I was still very much addicted to these things. So the first step was just to stop. And that's all we talked about for our one hour sessions every week. Then once I stopped, the conversation became, okay, what is happening in my brain and in my life that's making me want to get myself feeling this way every hour of every single day and you pull that weed out by the root you got a lot of good a lot of good advice in there for the for the listeners so i think um there's lots of nuggets that pluck out of there the comment about you know people will take this seriously i would uh second that i um i went the medicated assisted treatment route because i have a 20 plus year substance abuse history of all kinds of things and it was just the right move for for me for getting some some true long-term sobriety behind me but um that's a long-winded way to say the doctor that i see and the program i'm in there are lots of people in there for kratom and there's lots of people showing up i, I do smart recovery there's lots of people showing up there for kratom and like you said it's everywhere and i think it's going to blow up over the next couple of years and um the the kind of wool that's being pushed over people's eyes from some people in the industry that are trying to gaslight people and say that this isn't a real drug or it's an innocuous substance. I think that'll be removed. And I think people start to really see it for what it is. And I do agree with you. Like, I don't, I don't think there should be a ban. I would like to see some sort of regulation maybe on the lines uh, similar to alcohol or, or, regular, or how um, recreational marijuana is regulated. And I'd like to see some sort of testing so you actually know what's in these products before they're sold. And I'd go into, you just said something that I forgot to mention. You know, you said you'd been using Kratom for like 20 plus years. Oh, no, I had all kinds of substances. Only only four years on, well, four, four long years with, with it, though. That is another pretty important thing, though. So I, I don't want to make it sound like there's no situation in which medicated detox isn't necessary for that stuff. I don't know. 100%. I'm not super well-versed on that aspect of it. There may be some people out there where that's the only way they'll be able to do it. I I don't know how bad physical... I can read everything I want to, and I'll never know how that actually feels because, you know, I was working with a little under a year and a half daily. Uh-huh. So I'm sure for somebody, that might have been why it took a week or two, like you said, to get through the physical symptoms, you know? Because I think it like yeah. builds a half-life in you. That's different. That differs for people, and and some people may require that. But for me, and for anybody that's having a similar issue, taking this a similar amount for a similar amount of time, that's what I would recommend. No, everybody's different, and I I would always recommend um what like what you said. I would the first thing I would do if I was 
And the first thing I did when I was quitting it was essentially taper. That doesn't work. Cold turkey. Try that several times. If that doesn't work, then then do what you have to do to get off it because it's not going to end well. Yeah, and if this has ruined anyone's life, they they are being sued in in the state of California for uh, what what appears to just be disingenuous marketing. Because when it first was released, from what I understand, it didn't say that it had kratom in it. I noticed some people that doesn't make a huge difference. Some people it could have said kratom on the bottle, and they would have gone into it knowing that and had the same uh, experience. I had never even heard of kratom before I took this stuff. I never, I had no idea what it was when I, and then when it did show up on the bottle, it didn't put off any, you know, any red flags. Cause I was like, great. And what's that? I, I never heard of it until a couple years ago. And it just seemed to be like everywhere overnight. Yeah. There's, there's, there's hope out there. I know, I know it, it feels awful being in that, in that hole where you just feel like you can't climb out of it. And the only way to feel good is with that stuff. But I promise there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, there definitely is. And and once you, you have that desire, you can't unhave it. So even if you've had, you know, you haven't found success yet, don't don't beat yourself up. It's it, Recovery is, is very often not a, a linear road. No, it's a process. Um, I was telling someone that on Reddit last night who was like, you know, you've seen all these, you see these posts every day where it's like relapse. I'm getting tired of this. Try or something like that. And yeah. It's, this is another thing that's so important. You can't be hard on yourself. If you fail and because don't let that be an excuse to keep taking it. I'm pissed at myself because I couldn't do it. So why would I even try? It's processed. It's every time you try and fail to stop it, you gain another tool to make yourself more successful is at making that, that permanent change next time. So you just got to be gentle with yourself. If you slip, I think we, I think we pretty much covered everything. I think we had like 12, anything you want to add sections. I think I added everything I could think of. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I appreciate you having me on here to talk to you because it really is, it really makes you feel good to, you know, try to help other people. And anyone who does get to the other side of this, I hope you're able to make contact with them too, because everybody's story is going to be different and it will appeal to a different person. You know, mine might appeal to somebody, but then a couple months from now, somebody else might be able to break free and appeal to all different people out there. Like I said, the personal aspect of this people is is what make the lasting change and their stories that's what kept me that's what kept me from going back reading all these testimonials every day where people are having very real problems with this every single day uh, that is also what i what i found and, and was what was pretty eye-opening to me well john thank you so much for giving us your time and, and for joining us today and um you know i wish you continued success with your recovery and uh, yeah thanks thanks again for for coming on i'm sure your story will be um helpful to many people that are just struggling with feel free and kratom in general absolutely thank you so much for having me jacob kratom in the headlines Today, I'd like to draw your attention to an article written by J.W. Ross, the founder of the Feel Free Products. This is a Medium entry that he made on April 30th, 2018, five years ago. Three reasons why you should avoid natural flavors. Well, the summary for his article is as follows. There is very little difference between natural and artificial flavors. Natural flavors only mean 80% natural, and they are not better for you. 
Natural flavors can be added to the food without being confirmed as safe. So there's no way to know how, in the long run, they will affect you. Natural flavors are added so that people become addicted to the processed food, buy more of it, and generate more revenue for the food companies. The best way to avoid natural flavors is to buy whole, unprocessed foods and to check the ingredients label of any processed foods. And as of 2023, the black capped feel-free tonics, now known as the classic drink, the other ingredients beyond the cava root and the kratom leaf are water, pineapple juice, natural flavors, sativa leaf, and citric acid. So, listeners, I recommend you take JW's advice and avoid products with natural flavors. Resource of the week. Here's some information about the Feel Free Class Action Lawsuit. It's being led by the attorneys at Arms Davis Law Firm. The team there has a steadfast commitment to seeking justice for those affected by the product Feel Free and the purported deceptive practices of Botanic Tonics and 7-Eleven in the marketing and sale of this product. The lawsuit claims that Botanic Tonics and 7-Eleven potentially misled customers through their advertising strategies for Feel Free, the lawsuit suggests that these corporations presented Feel Free as a safe, non-alcoholic kava beverage while allegedly hiding its high kratom concentration, a substance labeled as an opioid by the FDA. They further allege that the form of the drink was altered to intensify its psychoactive and addictive effects. The lawsuit also raises concerns about the targeted marketing towards vulnerable demographics such as sobriety challenge individuals and college students without adequate disclosures about the potential risks and addictive nature of the drink. The ultimate aim of the lawsuit is to hold those companies accountable and to ensure transparency and informed decision-making for customers. If you'd like to participate in this lawsuit, I will put some information in the show notes about how to contact with this law firm. I do want to caution you, you know, with any substance addiction, where you need to recover, don't fall down the rabbit hole of blaming others. It will impede your ability to quit a substance like Feel Free. At the same time, it doesn't mean you need to be a doormat to predatory companies, to an industry that is unregulated, and to the creative fanatics. And last, there is going to be a case conference coming up on October 20th, 2023, next month. It's going to be at 10 o'clock via Zoom. You can participate. It's important to just listen. There's no screen shooting, speaking, recording at that case manager conference. They'll be supervised by the judge. I will put a link to a subreddit post about how to participate in that. So that's it for our Feel Free episode. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please send an email at creatosobriety at gmail.com. You can also reach us on any social media platform. On behalf of Jacob and I, until next week, keep it Kratom free.